Well, good morning, friends. It is good to be with you this morning. So maybe you have noticed that we have some construction on in Greenwood. If you have been used to that in Palatine, you for sure have noticed the construction. Yes. There are about six buildings that are slated to begin imminently. And if you know anything about the history of Greenwood and the geology of Greenwood, you know that construction in Greenwood is not um, for the faint of heart. So has anyone noticed the roller coaster that is the roundabout at Palatine and 87th? Yes. Does anybody know the origins of that roller coaster? Safeway. Safeway. So Greenwood is built on a huge bug. And as development began to happen in Greenwood, they began to drain the groundwater in order to build these huge structures. And as they drained all of this groundwater, they, this bog began to sink and to settle. And so if you were unfortunate enough to have built a house prior to the building of the Safeway in particular, you found your house beginning to look like this. So Mark and I, as we were looking to buy our first house, we're really hoping to live right in the, in the neighborhood here. And we walked through some houses that literally you walked in the front door and you kind of moved this way through the house. And you tried to stand vertical and you noticed that the walls and the door frames literally did this, like the picture frame here. So... The current development hopefully is going to use some newer technology in order to ensure that the rest of the neighborhood does not continue sinking. I read some articles um, about homeowners whose houses have sunk the Baranoff, actually. The basement, since it was originally built, has sunk 18 inches um, as a result of the settling in the neighborhood. So that means that in order to build in Greenwood, they have to dig down all the way through this kind of peat bog layer to the bedrock below in order to put these huge kind of support columns down in something that is solid. So the necessity of building on a firm foundation. Here I'm talking with all these structural engineers in the room. You can come and straighten me out afterwards. I did do a little bit of reading yesterday on my smartphone. (laughs) Well, Heather read a passage, um, a parable of Jesus uh, earlier in the service where Jesus is speaking about the importance of building on a solid foundation. And he talks about the builder who builds on the sand and what happens when the winds blow and the storms come, it simply washes away. But the builder who builds on stone, who builds on a solid foundation, that builder's home remains. It doesn't sink into the earth as time passes. Well, we are preaching through the lectionary, and this week, in the last couple of weeks, we've been in the book of 2 Timothy. And in the passage that we're going to look at today, Paul is speaking earnestly to Timothy about the importance of clinging to the solid foundation that has been in his life since his mother and grandmother kind of instilled it in him. So just a reminder of the context of the writing of 2 Timothy. Paul is imprisoned a second time in Rome when he writes this letter to Timothy. And he is aware that the end is probably near for him. And so he is writing to kind of pass off his ministry to Timothy at this point. And so there's an urgency in him to make sure that Timothy is grounded in the right places. And if we remember from kind of preaching through 1 Timothy, Timothy is in Ephesus, in a city that um, has many foreign influences 
at play. Lots of other religions. And there are some um, teachers within the church, elders of the church, um, respected leaders, who have begun to preach some false teachings. And so Paul is just yearning for Timothy to stay on the right track, to keep this church moving in the right direction. And he knows that the only way that this can happen is if Timothy is deeply grounded in the word of God in scripture. And so we're going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. Um, So I'm going to do that now. Vita, did we get this microphone working? No. Uh, Is it turned on in the tape? Yes, it is. All right. So we'll do it this way. So this is 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 14. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it, your mother, your grandmother, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, N.T. Wright translates Christ Jesus as King Jesus. And I love that translation. You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in King Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of King Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and with careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all of the duties of your ministry." Lord, we ask that you would speak to us today through your word. As we reflect on these words written by Paul to Timothy, we pray that your spirit would enliven them and make these your words to us today. Lord, we pray that as we sit here, you would awaken in us a deeper yearning for your truth found in the pages of scripture. We give you this time, Lord, and we ask you to use it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm just going to highlight four things in this passage, and then I've asked Reba and Courtney to come and just share a bit about their experience of Scripture, because I think what better way to have that hunger for Scripture awakened in us than to hear people speak about Scripture who have a deep passion and love for it. So they're going to come and share a bit. So just a few short reflections. So Paul's focus here, he says, continue, Timothy, in what you have learned. Keep that solid foundation. So Timothy was raised by a Christian. His mother is a Christian, we know. His grandmother was a believer. And so Timothy has been raised in the faith. And then he came alongside Paul, and he's been laboring as a minister alongside Paul, as Paul has planted these different churches around the Mediterranean. Paul is saying, cling to that foundation. Stay rooted in the truths that you have been raised in. You know the people who taught you. You can trust them. And so stay rooted in that. Don't drift away. And I think for us, I want to make this a word for us. Stay rooted in the truth of scripture. 
It is so important, and it is so easy for our Bibles to gather dust on a shelf somewhere. There are so many other interesting things to read, books, podcasts to listen to, articles online about Scripture, about things that are dear to Jesus' heart, justice, and yet it can be so easy then for our Scripture to fall to the side. It is so important that Scripture remains central in our lives as believers. And then he goes on to say, cling to scripture. Keep that as your solid foundation because scripture is God-breathed. Not it was God-breathed. It is God-breathed. In the book of Hebrews, it speaks of scripture as living and active. Now, I would imagine that many of you, if you have been coming to church for any length of time, reading scripture for any length of time, have had the experience of sitting down to read, sitting down to listen to a sermon, and feeling like, oh my gosh, how did that preacher know what I've been dealing with? Oh my gosh, how can it possibly be that I sit down and I randomly open my Bible and the passage that I read, it's like it was written to me today, right? Have you had that experience? Scripture is living and active. It is God-breathed in a way that nothing else that we come to, that we read, that we listen to is. We don't understand it. Why did God choose to speak a word that was compiled into this book? We don't know. But over and over and over again, in the pages of scripture, God himself tells us, this is my word. This is my gift to my people so that you can know me. Stay engaged with scripture. In Genesis, the language there is that God spoke and creation came into being, right? He spoke a word, and it was. Well, we have in front of us the same word. And just as God spoke and creation came into being, God's word continues to do powerful work recreating hearts and minds of those who read it. Read scripture. That is going to be the message I hope you walk away with today. (laughs) Read scripture. The next thing that Paul drills into Timothy here is that scripture is useful. He says that God works through it to shape us, to make us wise. God works through scripture to save us. And again, if you're trying to logic your way through, you're going to come up short. (laughs) There's a point where you just have to step out in faith, believing that what God says in scripture is true. And he promises that everything that we know for salvation, for eternal life with him, is contained in this book. And ultimately, it's contained in the person of Jesus. And scripture is what reveals Jesus to us most fully. And so if you want to know him, read the story of his life, of his ministry. I've already said some of what I was going to say here. We have a lot of kids in this congregation, and there are more coming. So it is also so important for all of us. We make a commitment to every child that we baptize here, every family whose child we baptize, that we will order our life and witness so that they may grow up to know and love Jesus. It is so important that we as a community take seriously teaching our children the truths of scripture. 
I love that I walk in and there's a group of third and fourth graders in the lobby being taught by different volunteers each Sunday. I love that after some singing, we have a whole host of volunteers that walk next door to teach our preschoolers, our kindergartners, our first and second graders, that we have volunteers that meet with our junior high school and our our upcoming high school students. This is the heart of what it means to be the church. And we know statistically that the majority of folks who come to faith come to faith as a result of what they learned as children. Folks, if we are going to shape the world, we are going to shape the world through our children. All of you teachers that are working, your work in the schools, your witness is transforming lives. It is so important that we be teaching our children scripture. I was reflecting over the last couple of weeks as we celebrated Columbus Day, which is now Indigenous People's Day. In, does the Seattle schools, is that a thing? Yes. Um, Alistair is learning about climate change in school. Amelia is learning that two plus two equals four in school. Our kids are learning in school. And they're not just learning facts. They're learning facts that are being interpreted for them, right? As time progresses and our understanding of history shifts, that is being taught to our children, oftentimes for the good. But if we as parents and friends and neighbors are not intentional about teaching our children about God... Their worldview is being shaped entirely by these educators in the schools, many of whom do not have God at the center of their worldview. And so they are going to grow up with a worldview that marginalizes God, that marginalizes the creator that loves them and knows them and has called them by name. There is a lot of intentionality in the curriculum in the Seattle Public Schools, We need to be equally intentional in shaping our kids in their spiritual lives as a community here. As I was reflecting on this, words from Deuteronomy came to my mind. I was an intern prior to coming to Sanctuary to Church that recited this as the benediction every Sunday. They are going through kind of the the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And so this is from Deuteronomy. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Right? The picture here is scripture should be everywhere. You should see it when you walk in and out of your house, when you look in the mirror, when you glance at your reflection in the water. Surround yourself with scripture because it's that important. I asked Laurel to do the call to worship this morning, and if you noticed, she recited an entire psalm from memory. And as she and I were texting about this this yesterday, she was like, well, what passage would you like me to do, Summer? And she listed off at least a dozen psalms, not just a verse. Laurel has taken seriously in her life this call to embed scripture in her heart. And I wish that I could have time for Laurel to share the impact that that has had on her life. And for those of you who have scripture memorized, for me as I was preparing this morning, passages of scripture coming to me from all throughout scripture, talking about the importance of the word of God. Stay grounded in scripture. And then Paul, this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then Courtney and Reba, if you want to be prepared. Paul says that a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. 
Instead, they will gather around them teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Well, friends, that time is now, isn't it? That time is now. Many of us today are not interested in the truth. Or rather, I would say that we are so overwhelmed by life, by anxiety, by unresolved traumas, that we are so desperate for relief that we will settle for anything that will pacify the ache. And so rather than seeking the truth, we settle for second best, right? We settle for food or medication or technology that will make us feel better for a moment. Rather than doing the harder work of seeking out the truth that will bring peace that lasts. Jesus says that I am the way and the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through him. And he says that there is a thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy. And the reality is that there are many thieves. There are many things in our culture working to keep to distract us from what is most important. But none of those things truly deliver on their promises, do they? Food does not ultimately satisfy. We know that technology does not satisfy. I was talking with a mom yesterday who was recognizing that as much as it was nice to set her kids down in front of the TV for half an hour before school, when she didn't, she noticed a radical difference in their personality. And so she has locked the iPads away. Do you think that it's not the same for us as adults? My phone told me this morning that I spend two hours and 34 minutes a day looking at my smartphone. Being honest with y'all. If I think that that doesn't affect me, I am joking myself. We settle for second best because we are desperate to feel better. And ultimately, though, it is only a relationship with Jesus the one who made us, who loves us, and who is revealed in the pages of scripture that can meet the deepest longing of our hearts. I'm gonna invite Courtney and Reba to come down. They're gonna share. As I was thinking about this topic, these two and Laurel all came to my mind immediately as folks that I see embody a love of scripture. So can you just take a few minutes, Reba? Tell Tell us about your love of scripture. Well, as I thought about this, um, I thought about, I love scripture because I see the beauty of what scripture has done inside of me. And I see how God's word speaks to me at the deep level where I feel hurt or where I feel bitter. I feel like I'm questioning God or I feel that I'm comparing myself endlessly with a person. Like God's word speaks to me there. And over and over, and it's the truth. It's not like a, it's not an appeasement. It's a hard truth often, and it's right where I need it, and it's freedom. And I, I thought to myself this week through reading um, Acts seven that Stephen um, spoke to a group of people who hated him and hated the message of Jesus, and um, he gets a death sentence, and he looks up to heaven and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God in solidarity with him. 
And God spoke to me through that as in Stephen was not looking for an answer inside of himself or in the room. He looked straight up to Jesus and he saw the answer. Like, I am with you, Stephen. You are my beloved. And I thought to myself that God's word is that to me, like a chin lift every day, every day that I put myself there with scripture. It's a, it's a reminder. It's God doing this to me to say, Reba, you are my beloved, and I'm going to tell you the truth, and you're not going to find it inside yourself or in anybody or in your society and what you're going to read. Maybe, maybe we, we do hear God's word through our friends, through people we trust, but it's a deeper level because I don't want my friends sometimes to know how much I hurt inside, right? Even my friends. But I know that God's spirit is that in me. And I thought to myself how it wasn't an accident that I was reading Acts 7 this week. Um, I, God has used a ministry called Bible Study Fellowship in my life so much. Um, a ministry that I get to read God's word. I get to then sit with a group of people who've read God's word and talk about it and hear someone explain like background on it. And, and so it's like every week this has been a practice for me for a long time. And it is through that discipline that I have grown in love with God's word. And also in that passage, um, Paul says to Timothy that God's spirit isn't timidity, but it's power, love, and self-discipline. And um, like I see as I, through God's power and God's love, put myself in a place that requires self-discipline, as in God's word doesn't like pop out and like hit me, as in... I will, you know, we will hear God's word, truth through friends or listening, but there's a piece of self-discipline that is very hard. As in, I want to, I want to resist discipline all over the place. Like, I don't want to eat healthy food. I don't want to go to exercise class. I don't want to clean my house, right? As in, like, I can point out all of these ways that I don't want to be self-disciplined. And I want to apply that also to scripture. I want to be like, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. I have other things I need to do. But I know that God's power and his love through his spirit is giving me a self-discipline and a desire to be in his word that, that I give him glory for because I know on my own I don't want to. <laughs> and over time, he has changed my heart on that. And there's several of us who, who do go to Bible study fellowship. And Summer said that it would be fine um, for us to kind of give that invitation. If that's a, or um, community Bible study is very similar that Nancy's a part of. That if, if you haven't tried a study like this, um, how much I would love for you to test out that tool to see how God might be um, revealing himself through his word, it, through a study like that. Like this year's the book of Acts, other years it's other parts of the Bible. But um, Caleb and Silas have gotten to go with me since they were babies. And on Tuesday nights, they go with me to um, to Bible study. And so they're learning. They, they studied Acts 7 this week too. And it has been one of the most easy platforms for me as a mom to talk to them about faith. I mean, as in, I, um, I can say what I thought God taught me. And I mean, they are growing in what they can say to me about what God taught them. But I just feel so grateful for it. I think Bible Study Fellowship kind of holds my hand, <laughs> giving me some, some guidance and help and giving me a weekly reason to talk to my kids about God's word. Um, I think same thing for me. Like I, I'm also in Bible study fellowship and, um, my preschooler goes with me in the mornings. And then now I'm also, um, Jed gets home from work on time so I can take my elementary school kids too, because I also, it's like, if the vegetables aren't chopped in the fridge, I'm not having for salad for lunch, even though I know I like it. Right. If I'm not in an accountability place, 
there's that quick atrophy of like, oh, I sort of remember, but I realized like I'm forgetful and I'm lazy and I'm stubborn and all these things. But um, when I'm reading, then I see the benefit of God's truth and especially God's attributes. Like who is he and how does that change how I pray when I really know who he is? For example, yesterday we had a great idea. Let's go to the dog park. Yes. Not everybody in the family was on board. There was one daughter in particular, didn't want to get her shoes on. I'm not going, no. So we're starting out for our walk and um, God brings to mind what I'd read that morning. Um, that morning, story of another guy who was taking a walk. Oh, it was Saul and he's walking to Damascus breathing murderous threats. Um, I'm just gonna say it was not like my most pleasant parenting voice that was happening, but at the first crosswalk, God reminded me of what I'd read just then in scripture. And did I believe who God is? Can he, over the course of a walk, bring me back to a place of repentance, of humility, of patience and love? Yes, we had a really good time um, <laughs> a few blocks later. Um, but I think I've, I've got to have it consistently. I mean, it's sort of like I need that figurative box on my forehead of scripture. Except I know if it was actually there, then I'd like adapt to it and stop <laughs> like noticing it. Um, but God uses the Bible to show me who is he? Or even all these places throughout Acts that I've been seeing of Paul talking to the Sanhedrin, or sorry, Peter talking to the Sanhedrin, uh, Stephen talking to the Sanhedrin, um, Peter talking to the crowd at Solomon's Colonnade and at Pentecost, right? What are they going through? They're talking about the truth that Jesus fulfills all throughout scripture. They know it. Even Philip, when he goes to Samaria, which is not a very invitational place, right? It's a place you'd rather dodge. It's a place that's been hostile to Jesus, like in person. They rejected him one time. Um, But here, Philip goes and he tells them the truth of Jesus. And it says in Acts, there was great joy in that city, right? So how in my neighborhood, in my city, there's a different culture and it does not feel invitational to the truth of God. But when I'm reading scripture and seeing who is God, what are these attributes of his? He's patient, he's inviting, he's kind, he's transformative, he brings joy. How can I see my neighbors, my fellow Samaritans in this same light? And now as my girls too are experiencing this different culture that clashes with our family culture and our church culture sometimes, how can they know who is God and why do we believe him? Why are our cultures different? How can we speak of Jesus and bring that same joy to these neighbors that we love and care about. Um, so I've, I've been super thankful. I yeah definitely need the handholding that um, Bible Study Fellowship offers, but then also like community group here and just being here every Sunday to get that reset. Um, yeah, so I'm thankful it's written down <laughs> because otherwise it, it'd all be last, but thanks. Thanks to both of you. Read the Bible. Oh my gosh, there's a video of Alistair. I'm going to send out an email this week of Alistair as like a two-year-old telling you to read the Bible. So you can look for that in your email. Um, If this has been a challenging message for you, Reba, Courtney, Laurel, myself, Mark, Nancy is leading a Bible study. Grab one of us if you're like, great, but how? We would love to talk with you. If you feel like scripture has become stale for you, grab one of us and let's talk about ways to freshen it up. There are so many tools today, but they can also become a distraction. So let's talk together about how as a community to be rooting ourselves on that firm foundation. We're going to come to the table now. So let's take a moment to prepare our hearts and to pray.
Lord, we thank you that you did write it down for us, that you recognized our need to have a physical representation of you. We thank you for your word that we can pick up and read to learn about your attributes. And Lord, for those of us who just feel apathetic about this right now, we ask, Lord, that you would awaken a desire in us because ultimately it is only your spirit moving that can do that. We are distracted by so many things and we do run from discipline. So Lord, awaken a desire in our hearts and then help show us the way. In Jesus' name, amen.